Hello and welcome to the latest uh, edition of the Multiversity Manga Club. I am one of your hosts, Walter Richardson, and with me are Zach Wilkerson and Emily Richardson. Hello. Hey. How are you guys doing? Just fine. I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty old, well. <laughs> the same old stuff of reading manga, playing video games, and also working. Yeah, I guess I know how you're doing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this is just for I the benefit. So. This is for the benefit of the listeners to know that we're just doing the same old boring stuff. Um, this uh, so starting off with the uh, book club as always. Uh, this month we are talking about Buddha by Osamu Tezuka. You know, one of like the the icons of manga. You know, uh, like a fairly common comparison is comparing him to you know will eisner in uh american walt comics disney, yeah. walt, walt disney um it, in terms of just like a uh, very much inspired by him but yeah you found that fact that he watched like bambi like what was it 80, 80 times. times yeah he was very much influenced by early disney animation that makes um, so much sense when yeah, reading this right. <laughs> <laughs> um so I guess to start off, uh, one question I had for you guys mm-hmm. um, is, do you have much knowledge or experience with Buddhism, either as belief system or as it, the historical context of it? Not much at all. Only snippets of things I can remember from high school, and I'll probably get those wrong. So just throwing that out there, everything I say about Buddhism, if I do it all, is probably going to be like, maybe 20% correct. <laughs> How about you, Zach? Very little. I've been to a Buddhist temple. I've been inside a, a statue of Buddha. That's about it. It's pretty cool. Likewise, I'm, I'm, I don't uh, know much either. Um, so instead of just being, you know, mi- uh, misinformed about manga, uh, <laughs> this, this month we can also be very misinformed about, uh, you know, a whole spiritual practice so very exciting um but this is just par for the course for us being as prepared as possible research is for losers (laughs) we know enough to get by we you know we don't need like a doctoral thesis to talk about this at least i don't think so (laughs) or Um, a doctor doctoral thesis doctor degree a doctor degree Um, but that shouldn't be too much of an issue because, uh, an interesting thing about, uh, the amount that we read, we read the, uh, first two volumes of the, uh, recent vertical, uh, publication of Buddha. And this covers, uh, up in, you know, there's the first volume is almost entirely before Siddhartha Gautama's birth. Um, the boy who had become Buddha is born towards the very end of the first volume and you kind of go through his youth in the second one and this part of the story and perhaps more of it but this part of the story in particular um, a lot of this is just purely Tezuka Um, yeah kind of kind of there's not much of like you know the typical historical aspects or the kind of uh traditional stories told about Buddhism around uh, uh, concerning Siddhartha's life, you know, that's, that's not really much of a focus in 
these ones. There's bits of that. Um, but for the most part, it's kind of um, Tezuka doing his own thing. You've got like two major characters in the first one that are, you know, completely his creations. Um, that would be Chopra and uh, what's the... Uh, Tata. Tata, that's his yeah. name. Yeah. Um, and so in some ways, you know, the fact that we don't really, you know, have a ex- or much experience with it, you know, that doesn't really affect us too much mm-hmm. here. Just yeah. besides if you took that for the fact that it's just like, ah, oh, this is what Buddhism is all about. Right. Which it's not. Well, and they also, I mean, at least Chopra and Tata also kind of are illustrative of the different castes. Right. Um, Tata is a pariah, which means he's pretty much shunned. He's like the lowest level shunned by everyone. And um, Chopra is in, well, he was, he um, was was a slave. He was born a Shudra, a slave. And then he kind of rose up into a warrior. And then eventually, I guess the uh, kingly. Yes. 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 And that is a a sticking point, um, shall we say, later on. Um, And so in that way, I feel like the first volume in particular almost stands on its own as like a single story which yeah. i found very interesting yeah because i was kind of reading the story of chopra and, and tata thinking like okay when is uh siddhartha gonna become part of this really or how how are these characters gonna relate to the buddha and i guess with chopra it's kind of tenuous and we haven't read the whole thing but it seems like chopra basically just served kind of as a influence for tata to go on his journey of revenge um yes. maybe it'll it... be important later and and he also kind of um made the i guess like main antagonist brought the main antagonist character to light um Pendaka. And, and I, yeah <laughs> i don't think that guy was in the original story i'm just i'm just gonna no. throw that out there um or in the original myths well, I think what you pointed out, Emily, about how uh, the the cast system is definitely, it feels like the first volume is very much dedicated to kind of exploring yeah. the cast system at this time. Um, and while this is, you know, pr- the like specific story is, as we said, it's pretty much Tezuka's creation. I think it's an interesting way of like kind of using uh, fiction as a because to kind of like get into this and, and like illustrate just how strict the caste system is. You know, it it does not end well for Chopra and his mother when it's revealed no. that he was a slave, even though you know he was this you know great hero um, of yeah. sorts for his nation and everything. And I feel that um, the whole point is kind of to like form this kind of. Um, background before the actual story goes on because you know the idea of the caste system is part of even though Siddhartha is born into um the warrior class and at the top of the warrior class as the son of a king um you know obviously Buddhism it comes about in part as like a way of rejecting yeah that um and so having especially you know like we went through different parts of the American public education system. And, you know, you probably took world one year of world history and yeah, more like two months of it or something. Right. And <laughs> you, you learn about the caste system. That's like, that's like the one thing, the you, one learn thing about you learn about Buddhism and like India and, and, yeah, and yeah, that Indian area history. of the world. <laughs> so we, you know, we have 
that much, but it, it helps for, you know, the, there are probably lots of people who, you know, don't even know that much. And so being able to kind of like right off the bat kind of just establish this very striking narrative about just how strong it is. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because on the one hand, it kind of uh, delays us from getting to Siddhartha himself for a while. But I think it is, you know, it's, it, I think it's very important to the story. Yeah. Yeah. It sets the stage. Cause I think if you would just have started the story with, you know, Siddhartha's birth, you wouldn't have, have all of this context of, well, what is the Buddha going to be, uh, you know, fighting against? I think the first volume really lays out what's wrong with the world at that time. You know, war, famine, like you said, the the cat, the very uh, strict and rigid caste system, um, and those are all going to be things that uh, Siddhartha kind of meditates on and works to at least try to convince people that these things should be changed in the next volume. So I think I think you kind of do need that like laying out the groundwork before you even get to Siddhartha, or else it, it, I feel like it it probably would have been very abrupt. And maybe not as effective if not. Yeah, it like it sets out the problem before it introduces, you know, Siddhartha. And I, I mean, I guess you could have had the case where he witnessed these things firsthand, which I mean, he he kind yeah. of still does. But it makes for a richer story, definitely. Right. Yeah. You, you see a lot of like in similar stories where you know a some sort of privileged person uh, sees some act of injustice and they see like a single thing happen. And then immediately they are, um, you know, on, they are now, you know, a hero of the people in their heart or whatever. Um, And, you know, for the most part in, in this series, there's only like a couple of instances that Startha himself sees as that we, the readers see him see you get what i'm saying um there are only a couple of incidents in here but the fact that we've seen in beforehand a longer narrative about it it like you know makes it 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 kind of like reinforces uh or kind of like makes uh those couple of incidents seem like not just two or three i forget how many uh there are but you're just like individual incidents that seem kind of like stage and out of place and instead make it seem like part of the whole tapestry of goings-ons at that time right um another we we kind of already mentioned this um taking a brief detour from the historical background or fictional aspects thereof um but I was interested in what you both thought of Tezuka's art style. He predates a lot of the artists that we've read comics by um, on this podcast so far and is a significant inspiration on pretty much uh, the whole manga industry. Um, so I was, I was interested and in we, we brought up um, the fact that he saw Bambi a lot and his you know love of classic disney yeah and it it, it's an interesting juxtaposition to me because i see you know a lot of the way that he you know the way that he draws people for example you know that's the kind of a look that has um 
been extremely influential. You right. know, people still draw a lot like Tezuka. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean manga artists in particular? Right. Yes, manga artists in particular. Um, but the, I found it like a interesting almost contrast with the way that he drew animals. Um, there, the way you know the way he draws people seems to be kind of you know at that time more distinct, more unique. Whereas the animals do remind me a lot of. As you said, you know, Disney, Bambi. We see, we yeah. see deer that, yeah, they look. Yeah, you definitely, I feel like even more so in the than in the people. I mean, definitely the eyes, you can see the Disney influence. But in the animals, and especially like rabbits and birds, look a lot like kind of the wildlife you'd see in early Disney movies like Snow White or, mm-hmm. yeah, like Bambi. It's actually really draw- jarring, I think, um, yeah. seeing them t- together. Um, because it, I'm, I'm trained. This feels more Western, yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Um, yeah. Uh, another thing <laughs> that I notice, I don't know if this was just the version that I read. So I, I bought the ver, like you mentioned, the vertical edition um, mm-hmm. through um, Kindle through the Kindle okay. store, and it was still laid out in a uh, right to left format but mm. the reading was left to right mm. that's interesting so wait whoa <laughs> yeah how, how does that work oh like you would read the you'd read it like manga you'd read it like how shonen jump is laid out well no? no i mean so like you would read the page on the right first but the dialogue and the panels would be read left to right. So that's interesting because the um, the print versions are... It's completely flipped. Yeah, it's fully left to right starting. So it's, it's almost like they mirrored the pages or something in the digital edition. Yes. Yeah. Or it's not... Well, it sounds almost like what happened was that um, probably the Kindle edition... Maybe we It was uh, Drops of God that we read that was vertical as well, right? Yeah, and that this, was... Yeah. That this was makes me wonder if they... Or right but I don't think I had that issue. I read Drops okay. of God the same way, right. and I don't think I had that issue. Because, mm. yeah, my guess is that maybe when it was uh, reformatted digitally, um, as in, like, for digital readers like Kindle, that they perhaps might have, like, made it automatically display, like, read the pages. Um, I bet you're right. right. Whereas yeah. even though the pages were flipped. Because, yeah, the pages in the uh, print volumes are flipped, and um, I think it um, mentions that somewhere that they've been you know okay. re- realigned um, yeah it was re- i was very confused for like the first 10 pages or so because i was trying to read it in the in the normal right to left yeah. format and and it was kind of funny because a lot of times it, the dialogue would still make sense but it would be a little weird right just because of the sequence right. of i it was it was weird how, how much it actually still made sense um right which made me wonder, like, compositionally, if, like, that was on purpose. I, like, started oh. thinking way too deep about it. But um, <laughs> it, it was, that was interesting. Okay, but that's good to know that, that maybe it's just a weird issue with the, with the digital version. Um, but in, in terms of the art as well, I thought that um, Tezuka, he's, he's got this, like, you know, as we say, kind of like a classic cartooning style with it and that i feel like um he did a really good job with any sort of 
action, not in like a like um, the way that we might be talking specifically in the sense of like action comics, um, but just any sort of like depiction of motion, um, yeah, anything like that. Uh, he, he, you know, kind of like did a lot of kind of classic cartooning techniques that gave gave a lot of life to yeah. any sort of movement on the page and such. Yeah. It felt like he captured the spirit of kind of like, I'm trying to think of the best example. This probably isn't the best example, but this is like the closest thing I can think of is like the spirit of thirties, forties cartoons kind of, I kind of felt like that was how the story unfolded. It felt kind of like, obviously this is much darker than your average, like forties, you know, Mary Melody's thing, but like just the way people emoted too sometimes kind of reminded me of that that time period sure um, a lot of the characters especially like the bigger male characters kind of reminded me of like popeye or well uh-huh. pluto i guess like they had that kind of thing going on um well i like how you I, I like how you mentioned the kind of like juxtaposition of as you said it's darker um one thing that i found with this and i find it with other uh manga that we've read but most most particularly exemplified in buddha is you, there's this more of a so with a lot of like more serious narratives in um, Western yeah. media, um, there's kind of a there's like a refusal to like get too silly, even even something that's like yeah that has like some comic relief. Usually that's you know kind of dark yeah. Um, whereas you know this this it would go from like telling like a serious story, you know, talking about you know interesting you know kind of metaphysical concepts and all that and then you know you'd have just a very silly joke um you'd have people like peeing on each other oh and, yeah um stuff like that there was some like crude a lot of crude humor a lot of crude um, humor. a lot of like fourth wall breaking and yeah and um anachronisms yeah i noticed this more as it went on i think like the first time i saw it i, I thought it was weird i was like because tata at some point says something about oh all the college girls are doing that to the one uh, to Megayla, who is um, who is interested romantically in Siddhartha in the second volume, um, mm-hmm. he mentioned something about po- college girls, and I was like, oh, okay. And then later on, they say something like, oh, princess, you're you're watching too much sci-fi on TV and stuff. Just kind of these like offhand comments that that are that are kind of just pretty much just for the reader. Like it doesn't really make sense in because because they don't really you know comment further. It's just a little joke for you. And there were a lot of there were a lot of stuff like that too, like the character Bandaka, who was, who was kind of the bad guy of these of these two volumes. Um, he is the most uh, noticeable thing about him is he has no pupils, <laughs> a lot of the time. I think he might he he was drawn with them like maybe for a couple panels, but at some point, he, uh, some background character even says like, "Hey, where are his pupils? That's really weird," you know. And it, I guess like it feels weird because this is like um, it feels like kind of more modern than you would expect because this this manga was in like the was uh done in the 70s through the 80s through the early 80s i believe and um yeah there's just all these like little kind of offhand cavalier details that i I kind of found more interesting than the actual narrative at points because i was like oh interesting i wonder what possessed him to put this little bit of humor here you know i think it's interesting that you point out the anachronisms because that's another that's that in particular um, I feel anachronisms have become such a, 
I feel they're like a no-go. Bad thing to do, yeah. In in a lot of media these days, it's considered, you know, tacky or, you know, sloppy. And you'll even in like, you'll have like comedic stuff um, where... Yeah. Where like, you know, um, they they feel a need to kind of dance around it rather than like explicitly like, you know, with the college girl thing, like as you said, instead maybe they would something else would like say something where it's clearly like, oh, I see you're, you're, su- you're suggesting this yeah. rather than outright stating it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they just said some guy at some point mentions like Ford, was it like Henry Ford or something? He mentioned some, you know, 20th century yeah, and figures, you know, and just, just, it's kind of sprinkled throughout. It doesn't tend to be like a whole ton at once. It's just kind of like randomly, maybe a couple times per volume. Yeah. But I would say it's also interesting because I feel like manga actually still kind of does that a lot. Um, Like, I can't really think of anything specific off the top of my head, but I know that there are things that we have read in Weekly Shonen Jump that use anachronism pretty pretty blatantly. Um, Oh, you know, something else I I forgot to mention um, is that sometimes he would show characters hitting the top of the panel. Did you guys, did you guys notice that? There was, there was maybe like, there was one guy who like uh, heard something surprising and he was like, oh, and he jumped and hit his head. And I think there was another scene where I don't remember who it was, but he got mad and he started tearing the panel apart, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I think that was Ben Daka at one point. Yeah, Ben Daka, maybe it was one of the court, court people. Maybe. Um, Yeah, I think, I seem to remember him wearing some kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were uh, probably other examples of that, but I... Yeah, I think, like, actually towards the end of Volume 2, doesn't um, Bandaka's wife kind of, like... No, I'm thinking of a different point. There's another point where a character bounces, like, Uh, around uh... the sides of the panels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is his wife. (laughs) Or... Potential wife, oh, something like that. That yeah. just reminded me too of another random scene in the in the early on in the manga. I remember it making me like actually chuckle. Is there's like a fight scene? This is just another. This is this was another anachronism of just a guy who I guess gets hit kicked away by a horse or something goes rolling and then you see a bunch of pins, bowling pins. That's scattering. right. That's yeah, what I, was I, think, to remember. I think that's what you were thinking. Yeah, because I was like, what? Okay, this is all right. It's a little bit silly. I can get behind it. But yeah, it's a. Uh, there's a more of a willingness to kind of like yeah play with those kinds of mm-hmm. things rather than be like we need this to be 100 percent serious and like i don't think i mean i didn't really find it like super hilarious or anything but it was interesting that he felt like he could kind of i don't want to say get away with it but that he could incorporate this into this very famous you know mm. mythical story yeah yeah and it's um spe- speaking more on in terms of the art, the whole time, um, actually, like from the first moment we saw him, um, I thought Tata was just like Astro Boy. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. There's some characters that kind of have like the same. Well, if I remember, hair? yeah, if I remember correctly, Tezuka is the guy who I he, could be completely getting this wrong. No, he did. He did Astro Boy. Yes, he did. Well, no, I know that. I was oh, saying, yeah. I think Tezuka is the. You know, he had the approach of um, kind of what Urasawa does now based off of him, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Gotcha. Where he has okay. like a cast of sorts that he would, you know, um, 
reuse kind of uh, faces and designs yeah. uh, um, in each of his works. Right. So yeah, you're, I'm, I'm almost certain that you're right, that that is basically the same kind of face as Astro Boy. Um, yeah. Because, and even yeah, like the hair a little bit is, is reminiscent. Yeah, the little yeah. bit sticking down. Because uh, I believe that was uh, one of those things that Tezuka did that other uh, artists have definitely drawn inspiration from um yeah Urusawa being probably the most notable yeah. at least to like you know yeah we probably mentioned our that audience. right we probably mentioned that in the monster i think podcast so, yeah. we did a while ago um but yeah I actually it's... i found the the panel with the guy bouncing off the panels it's um <laughs> it's the vizier in the first volume when okay. he finds out that uh chopra is a is a slave and that yeah his daughter loves him. He like pinballs right. all over the the boards yeah. of the panel, which is a really yeah. fun visual. <laughs> okay, I couldn't. Re- I see. I the only one I actually remembered was the one where he just jumps up and hits the top of the panel. I didn't remember the one where he like ricocheted around it. That's that's funny. Yeah, that's very Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of that episode where like Daffy and Porky like keep falling down the stairs. I can't remember. Do you guys remember? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I'm not My, sure. My uh, Looney Tunes <laughs> lore is okay. a little lacking. Or they keep kicking some guy down. Okay, never mind. It's <laughs> Zach's, Zach's Looney Tunes lore is currently uh, having issues because it's being blended with DC Comics. He can't. Literally, my switch. least favorite thing. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait for my salt on the next. It's just a. DC has been doing these like Looney Tunes crossovers. <laughs> oh, okay. I think I kind of know. Yeah. Well, I swear that that's a real episode that exists of some big fat guy falling downstairs and Daffy and Porky are in it. Anyway. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the same time, uh, we, you know, we talk about his, he's got the very stylized um, kind of people um, that would kind of set a sort of a style that would be lovingly mimicked uh for decades and decades to yeah. come you have his kind of uh more traditional kind of inspired by western cartooning with his animals as we said but he's also uh, my favorite my favorite pages as much as i loved his uh action shots and um you know the kind of fun stuff that he did with the panels as zach mentioned earlier just Man, when he like drew some of those like full page or two page spreads, and you really just saw like the tr- just yeah. the real just extreme. You saw how extremely talented he was. Just a lot of these pages are just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, the two page spreads of um, like environments. You mean right. of like the forests and the mountains? Yeah, yeah. His, his landscapes were just yeah. great. This guy, he was super prolific. Like, if you want, like, it made my brain hurt to think of how much he produced in his lifetime. Like, yeah, that's true. Uh, Tezuka is one of those guys who um, you could, especially if you just uh, read a little bit each day, getting through his like bibliography could yeah. take you a very, very long time. Right. Yeah, he just produced and produced and produced. Um, so we ended the second volume basically with we're, we're still not at the defining kind of moment of the uh, Buddhist um, the story of Siddhartha becoming you know the Buddha right. of him uh, meditating under the tree 
that happens in, I forget if it's, it's either the third or fourth volume of the series. Uh, there are eight of these ones collected by vertical, if my memory is correct. Yeah. Um, and, but we did kind of like get the start of his spiritual journey. We had him kind of um, renouncing his uh, position as the prince. Um, you had him leaving his home and finally, you know, what I believe uh, the last thing we see of him in uh, the second volume is after he has shaved his head right. for the first time. Um, he forsakes his wife and family and pretty much just goes off into the wilderness to discover the meaning of life and what he has to teach it, teach people. So here, you know, here we kind of end before it enters like the main stretch of the narrative of Siddhartha, you know, becoming the Buddha and you know more. We we have a few kind of parables in these volumes. Um, yeah, it begins with the story of the rabbit. Um, you have Siddhartha talking about his like dream of the bird, um, of being the bird. Right. Um, but it, it seems like in the next few volumes, it'll be more kind of resembling the story that m more people will kind of know. And that's a bit, perhaps right. um, a bit more um, authentic though. I imagine that many of these, you know, uh, original characters of Tezuka's uh, such as Tata uh, show up. Yeah. Probably remiss if they just disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Adult Tata, I gotta say, kind of remind me of Yamcha. I just wanted to get that out there. They kind of had similar face. It made me laugh. Every Everything is Dragon Ball. Yeah. And the fact that he hung out with a lot of animals and he transformed, I was like, Yamcha, Puar. You know, oh. Puar. Yamcha couldn't transform, but Puar could. Is that a possible reference? Probably not. But everything goes back to Yamcha is what I'm saying. Uh, so I guess to, <laughs> over, overall, um, though, what was everybody's opinion? Um, I guess starting with you, Zach, if you don't mind, did, uh, how, did you like it overall? Do you, did you really enjoy it? Do you think you're going to continue with it or? I really did like it a lot and I would like to continue it. Um, I, I really enjoyed a lot of the themes and ideas, um, kind of the philosophy of it all. Um, I thought it was really interesting. The art is wonderful. The characters are interesting. Um, you know, it was really interesting. The whole the whole time I was reading it, I was reminded of this book um, by Chester Brown, um, published through Drawn and Quarterly, called "Mary Wept Over the Feet of Jesus," and it's kind of has like a really similar art style oh, and okay. and and like similar storytelling style. and And I love that book, and it reminded <laughs> me a lot of that. And so, it it almost kind of like felt. In, it felt very much in the same vein to me, and and so this this was actually like right up my alley, I think, and I didn't really expect it to be. Hmm. Okay, how about you, Emily? Uh, I, I to be honest, I don't know that I that I loved it. Um, I think I appreciate it more as kind of an artistic and historic, as in like the history of of manga, not necessarily like history of of Buddhism. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate it more as like a historic piece. Uh, I think than 
something that I really loved reading and following the narrative of. I don't really know why. I guess I guess I did feel it was a bit dated in a sense, and I couldn't really get invested in the characters. Um, they were they were pretty charmingly sketched, but I there was just something that I felt like I wasn't really connecting with them um, in a way that I might have with I don't know something a little bit more. Um, modern or dramatic or something like that. Um, but that isn't to say I didn't enjoy reading it. I think, I think though I would have been more interested to read something like Blackjack, which um, from what I understand, Tezuka was a, was a doctor for a time. So it would have been interesting to kind of have the, that more of a personal touch. Um, I think, oh. I think maybe that's what was, that's what was missing from this. I felt like, you know, this was his adaptation of this story, but I felt like there was like something personal missing from it. Uh, if that makes any sense, I can't really say exactly why I wasn't totally in love with it, but yeah, I mean, definitely worth reading just to get a sense of Tezuka's style and everything for sure though. Do you think that's why he drew himself in as a doctor in that one uh, scene? Yeah, probably. That's interesting. Because, yeah, because he had a couple cameos, I think. And he's like, well, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, that was just me kind of like after I read the second volume, I was like, eh, I think I'm okay stopping here. <laughs> um, for myself, I, I also like, I didn't love it. I, I liked it a lot. Um, I might keep reading to at least either the third or fourth volume, because uh, just as an interesting aside, the first way I heard about Buddha was um, there's a comic called Action Philosophers um, <laughs> by uh, Fred Van Lente and uh, Ryan Dunlavy, whose names I probably just butchered. Um, but um, so it was basically like, you know, a comic kind of explanation of certain philosophical uh, concepts and figures. Um, and so in one, one issue where they talked about, they talked about Buddhism. Um, they had one issue, I believe this was in the one that was kind of like the philosophy of religion. So they, they talk, they, or they touch specifically on religious or spiritual philosophers. And so one thing that the, uh, series did was that with each philosopher at the end of the issue, they would recommend like a few of their works to mm. read um, for a new reader, someone who hadn't read their stuff before. And interestingly, for the one uh, that talked about Buddhism, they actually, you know, they said, well, there isn't really anything written by Siddhartha. Um, right. And, you know, there's lots of things you can read, but since this is a comic, we figured we should recommend, hey, here's yeah. a great comic. And particularly, um, it was either volume three or four. I'd have to confirm that. Um, apparently draws a lot more from the actual kind of like traditions. And so it's like a fairly accurate, uh, if not like, you know, historically accurate, at least like uh, doctrinally, I suppose you could say, yeah. accurate kind of explanation of certain like Buddhist principles. So I, I think I might continue up until that point and see how I'm feeling about it mm -hmm. then. Um, cool. All right. Uh, so that's about it for that um zach you have our pick for the book club next month what are we reading yeah so um this is a pick that i pick with some trepidation it's <laughs> more out of convenience and a sense of obligation <laughs> than anything but yes. um i am submitting for us to read the first two volumes of fairy tale 
uh, written by oh man I'm a bad manga manga fan I actually don't have this pulled up um, written and illustrated by Hiro Mashima um, yeah so I really know nothing about fairy tale other than it's a big deal and it looks a lot like magical one piece um, yeah so Let's see, see how it is. Yeah, I imagine see. I'll have a lot. I'll have a lot to say. <laughs> the One Piece expert. Yes. Um, we'll be reading the at least the equivalent of the first two volumes. We'll touch on that for anyone who wants to read along. Um, you mentioned Zach that a lot of it, if not all of it, is currently on Crunchyroll. Uh, Crunchyroll. Yeah. Yeah. If you are a Crunchyroll subscriber, it is. I think the first like 250 chapters are available through their manga app. All right. All right. So we'll check back in with you guys uh, next month on that portion. We're gonna have a quick break, and then we will be back to discuss, as always, the preceding month in Weekly Shonen Jump. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. All right, uh, welcome back. We're at the portion of the show where we talk about uh, the previous month in Weekly Shonen Jump, the month of May. And it's another uh, month where we have had some jump starts to talk about. Two this time instead of uh, three. Um, we started with a one that's about uh, it's about shogi, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, called um, Momiji no Kisetsu. Um, I, I just want to start off and by saying that I liked it. I, I didn't love it, but just right off the bat, one thing that I found very interesting about this one is. The main character, his whole specialization as a shogi player is um, defense, and I found that very interesting because that for a, even for like you know a, a manga like this that's about you know playing um, a board game, um, that just seems like such a unique kind of characteristic for yeah. a shonen protagonist. Um, that normally you would see you you feel like you would see the opposite a lot um and maybe you know he'd have like a friend who you know or his rival or something um yeah instead like within the framework of this being about shogi um you have instead it was more his brother was kind of the more all-out attacker and, and instead we have kind of like a sort of subversion of the typical kind of uh shonen main character yeah. kind of type um so i that was what i thought while it while i didn't love 
the first three chapters. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I I, I agree that the defensive angle is is interesting. Um, but I mean, his his personality is still pretty like shonen typical of just you know he's he's still pretty kind of fiery and hyper. Um, That's true. Even though, and, and as far as I can tell, I mean, uh, they haven't really gotten deep into the shogi mechanics, which um, I don't, I don't know much about anyway. It's 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 often likened to chess, um, but I mean, maybe if we get into more more of that, we'll we'll be able to kind of be able to kind of ascertain more of a difference or see more of a difference between. Um, Sorry, there was a weird siren outside. Between his brother's style and his own, which, I mean, that was made apparent by his mentor, but, I mean, as far as, like, what I can tell, his personality is still kind of the same, regardless of, like, his play style. Um, Just like how Robot Laser Beam taught us about golf. Maybe this yeah. will teach us about Shogi. I kind of wonder about I'm that. I'm being a bit sarcastic. That. <laughs> just, <laughs> I know, Just I know. to be clear. I, I just kind of went, yeah, yeah, we know. It's not, it's not realistic. Um... Yeah, um, I liked it too. I wasn't, uh, again, not super crazy about it, but I don't even know. I, I, I can't, at this point, I can't even say, like, will it get picked up? Will it not? I don't know how this is even doing this anymore. Because they seem to just kind of, because um, we got two this time, and we got three jump starts last time, right? Well, they do that sometimes. Oh, they, they do they've two done, They've done two, three, oh, okay. I think once they did four. Okay. What about yeah. you, Zach? Yeah, I like this a lot. Um, I mean, relatively of the two. I read this enough that if it did get picked up, I would stick with it. Um, and Agreed. it does kind of touch on, I feel like it's very much in the same vein as robot laser beam. Mm -hmm. Um, I do, you know, to kind of like second what you've said about him being a defensive player and how that's a result of years of playing with his like very offensive oriented brother. I thought that was an, nice touch um yeah i wish i knew more about shogi maybe yeah. i would enjoy this more if i actually understood the rules and and everything but yeah i like this i would read this yeah yeah i th though my one main criticism and i mean i guess it's kind of tired at this point this is usually our criticism of any new series um uh, you know it seems that Every first chapter is like required to have like one scene of fan service at least. Uh, yeah. And th that in this one, like it wasn't like the content of it wasn't just like so. It wasn't so bad. It, there are certainly worse. Again, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, um, but it, it just there with the scene with running into his, you know, his mentor his who's new living. Mentor. It's, it's also very contrived. Yeah, it's like, extremely contrived them. and it just feels like it's just, if anything, you know, even like, you know, not being like, you know, a prude about it or anything, just a matter of it just like slows down the story. It just feels yeah. extremely unnecessary and doesn't really contribute anything. And it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, because the story doesn't really seem to be about them. I mean, there's probably going to be maybe more awkward just team moments because that's what happens when you're, that age but it's you know it, it, it's probably going to get drawn out into something kind of like what happened in the first volume with the bath scene but we'll see hopefully not the second one whose name i'm going to butcher 
was Kimiwo Shinria Kuseo. Um, yeah. That maybe it um, it had an interesting translated name. What was it? Uh, um, invade you? I yeah, think. I believe so. it was invade you. But when I was trying to, in my mind, <laughs> when I was trying to recollect for the show, I thought it was alien inside you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that might not have been the most inaccurate so thing this one like i feel what had one of the sharpest differences of like when i read the the first chapter of it it was like ah this is fine like it's like okay i'd maybe like give it a five out of ten yeah your bar is just getting which, lower and lower <laughs> a five out of ten which you know like and i don't mean that in like a, i mean that sounds bad um but, you know, that's like just, average. That's like, yeah. dang, Walter. Right, exactly. It was just. Ex- I thought the first one, the first chapter was whatever. Maybe even more like a somewhere between a four and a five. Um, but you know, we we talk about how just you know, unfortunately, with a lot of shonen manga means a lot of fan service, and it just got to a point in. Um, this the second chapter of it yeah. that it's like okay this is going to be a thing that happens all the time you yeah know, just the very um, lurid yeah. scene with the his like alien equivalent dog. of a dog um, basically you know enacting like you know tentacle hentai <laughs> illusions and it's like all right. yeah I mean the worst part too is like it's not even that like oh I think this is like so problematic or whatever but it. It's just that it's just so... It also tries to frame it as, like, kind of this innocent thing. Like, she doesn't know what's going on, too. It's like, oh, your yeah. mom really likes me. It's like, there's just all this stuff, like... You know, and then, like... As soon as she dressed as the cat or the dog... Yeah, it's it looked like more a... like a cat. But she goes, meow! You know, and I'm just like, oh, this is just fetish after fetish, isn't yeah. it? And she, um, she's just very, like... Ditsy doesn't even, you know... Yeah. Cover the way she's portrayed. It's, it's just... It's just really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's really transparent about what it's doing, even though it's trying to, to kind of wink at you and be like, or I don't know, like, it, well, it's, it's barely winking. Like, it's pretty much just being like, this is what I'm into, guys. Um, mm-hmm. You're either, you're either on this ride with me or you're not. And it's like, um, no, I'm, uh, I didn't, I didn't like it at all. I didn't even really think any of it was, was even like chuckle worthy. I was just kind of, there was, I will admit, there was one. There was one joke that actually did get me to laugh a little bit. Was when he like, I, I did think it was legitimately pretty funny when like the dog catches the frisbee or whatever with his tail, <laughs> and he like realizes like, oh man, I've never actually seen a dog or whatever. Yeah, In all fairness, that was pretty funny. I laughed at that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'm. Yeah, and, like, it's weird because for something that's so out there with, like, the, you know, the dog licking thing and stuff, it just had, like, some of the weakest jokes, too. It's just, like, he falls on her, oh, no, we're close, why is my face getting red, you know? Yeah, I should have, ah, from the first chapter with the, they doing, I guess there were jokes along that line that yeah. should have been more, like, red flags. Right. Yeah, uh, Until we yeah. got to this latest one. I didn't think it was going to get that crude, though. I thought maybe yeah. it was just going to be more like, oh, touched your boob, you know, and now it's very like tame, <laughs> full on, like almost. Some, yeah, yeah, it's just. 
that's a hard pass for me. I am not going to continue reading it if if uh, it gets to be in the magazine. But uh, God, I don't know. I keep saying I really hope you know this doesn't get chosen or this doesn't get chosen. Whatever I said, I hated in the last three. I hope that gets chosen over this because. No, I don't think. I don't think that. I think it's usually. <laughs> oh, the those were just the one. The one shots, right? That's it. Yeah. Okay, that's right. That's what. Okay, for some reason, I I had forgotten and thought that the last. I had forgotten that the last batch of like little stories were just one shots but anyway what i said still stands <laughs> well not to use um the transition joke that we've used like a billion times before but it's always funny now let's talk about something that's not problematic in the least food wars food wars is a uh paragon uh of you know Good Integrity. values, morals, uh, yeah, family. Equal, good equal Christian rights. family values. Yeah, it, it actually wasn't problematic this week. Yeah, by by uh, no, yeah, pretty much completely this week. Nothing really um, was would raise much of an eyebrow. Yeah, Proceed- but it was pretty much just uh, it was pretty much just exposition about what's happening now that they've right. won the Shokugeki. But I guess well, we should back up and say before that, <laughs> I have to say I called it. You all here listening, you heard me say, and I was right, about how um, Azami's power would, you know, be part of the climax of this. We've made a lot of wrong predictions in this show. I've made a lot of wrong predictions, but I will revel in the one that I got right. It's all worth it when one of them is right, even when it was probably extremely obvious and I probably felt really smart, and everyone else was like, You know what, well, I'm going to yeah, make no a bold shit. prediction that at the end of the series, Soma is going to be a great chef. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, the best. I'm just going to throw that out there, and hopefully I'm was. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had a very, actually, pretty exciting <laughs> month in Food Wars. Um well, we got to finally see what Azami's abs look like. Yeah, Azami was. <laughs> well, I guess he's. Sh- I think he was shirtless at one point too. Maybe. Was he? I don't think so. I think. I think he'd always been wearing like a dark. He'd pretty much always been covered up in a suit or whatnot. Um and uh, yeah, the gifting went out of control when uh, he tasted Arena's food, and yeah, we finally got to see yeah um, Azami's clothes explode, which I guess has been a long time coming, and of course it was going to happen. After the entire stadium lost their clothing, but it was still, it was uh, gratifying. What is it uh, called when when the person loses their clothes? What is the, I don't, the I don't term think for there's a name for that. I'm pretty sure there is. Oh, because wait, I, no. No, it's the disrobing. The disrobing. <laughs> but I think, I think wasn't the disrobing like that it just, just like pretty much completely disappears? I think so, yeah. Um, as opposed to like the typical like bursting off. Yeah, right, I think you're right, yeah. I think the disrobing is just like, gone magically (laughs) oh man so i almost like i i i didn't really think it would but when i got to the end of that chapter when they won and you know the the rebellion or the resistance sorry Mm -hmm. Uh, i forget which star wars terminology we're using right now (laughs) The resistance, the pod racers. When yeah, when they become like the new council of ten and everything works out so well, I was like, "Is this the end of the series?" (laughs) Like, is it? Or or this most latest chapter? I I got the latest chapter. I got severe like you know epilogue vibes from. Uh Yeah, 
I thought it was just going to be like <laughs> the end. Um, I was like thinking like, and I, and part of me, the back of my mind, I knew I was like, they're not, they're not just going to end it without like, usually you hear about like, right. oh, Food Wars is going to end in like 50 chapters or something. Especially like, for yeah. a series that's pretty popular. Like right. This. It felt like it was kind of winding down. I mean, maybe they're winding down and then they're going to go into another big arc, but I don't, it's interesting. Like, where will they take it from here? Right. So, I feel yeah, the, this is a major status quo change. Like, yeah. Huge. The acceleration is a bit ridiculous. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. obviously it is a ridiculous comic. Um, there's, there's no denying that. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about the changes. We'll see. Uh, it's too early to, too early to say, but it's seems like a lot. Um, yeah. I don't know. I want it to continue being good. Um, and, yeah completely non-problematic and wholesome. Mm. Um, well, my problem is, is like, I don't know how they're going to get a better villain than Asami. Like, I feel like he was kind of the pinnacle as far as like design. Yeah. He was evilness. very good. Like, I really thought I was like, that's the problem with really great villains. And in, in these kinds of things, it's like, are, how are they going to make someone better than this? I don't know. I mean, he was he definitely, I mean, there was like creepy parts of him. I didn't like in, any sense like his relationship with Arina is kind of weird um but overall i thought he was pretty effective like just chapter to chapter being menacing and whatnot uh so i guess we'll see i mean maybe they're gonna go into more of a lighthearted thing this time maybe just kind of like student to student chokugekis i'm not sure because it, it seems, seems like, like it's gonna be a lot of that maybe yeah. or potentially i don't know yeah we'll see um, now, Emily had an interesting uh, observation about oh. Asami that she really wanted to talk about. Okay, well, but... <laughs> wow. Way to, way to put me out there. Okay, well, I wasn't like... No, I agree. With it you. was just something I noticed that I, I don't really know how else to interpret this. And this isn't this really isn't me like saying like, oh, I want this to be true. I just, like I said, I, I have no idea how else I was supposed to think of this, but... Basically, I'm pretty convinced that uh, Azami was in love with Soma's dad. Because <laughs> there were some really intense moments in these past couple of chapters where they were talking about how Jirichiro was was happy with his wife and Azami was saying, like, um, happy with his wife and happy with just kind of doing this, I guess, more freewheeling, less strict cooking. And Azami was like, no, I have to get people on the right path because that's what drove Jirichiro away from it and stuff and just these really intense panels and I'm sitting there reading it. I'm like, dude, is he, I think he's in denial, man. <laughs> no, I, I can certainly see there are strong vibes I, of that, particularly as you said, there is the, <laughs> there is the one like, yeah, there's like, he, he I got that backwards and that happened after. Yeah. So almost says something to the effect of like, you know, you couldn't accept that he was like, you know, happy with mom and yeah. he was like, no. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I and guess, right after that was when the, the disrobing happened. Right. So I was like, how? I mean, <laughs> it, I don't it's, know par it's partially also just like with the fact that everything in this series, by the way that it's kind of done, is kind of inherently sexually charged. That's yeah. kind of how the manga works. Yeah, but I mean, mm -hmm. you but don't no. see like, you don't see as much like, well, I say, you know, I don't mean this in like the sexual way necessarily, but, necessarily, but you don't see like a lot of like, in your face, like Joey Turo and Azami stuff, besides when they were like kids and they don't even really interact. They haven't really inter even interacted that much um, as adults, like in the past 
year or so of the manga, but just the way they were describing it these past couple of chapters, and like, am I supposed to be getting this? Am I am I dumb or something? I don't know. But <laughs> I, don't know, I, think, I, think I thought it was definitely... an interesting angle. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah, it's definitely one way to read it, and I think that. It, it, there's definitely enough to suggest. Because I was like joking about it before. I was like, yeah, you know, Azami has an interesting, in fact, like, you know, interest or interesting interest, you know, just this fascination with uh, Soma's dad. And I was kind of joking about that. But then I was like, you know what? I don't, you know, and it wasn't really being played as a joke or anything. Right. So, you know, I was like, this is, I think I'm supposed to take this seriously. So I don't know. That was just an observation I had. I don't, I don't think it's really going to be, expanded upon or anything but i just kind of felt like it was worth mentioning no you might be onto something for sure yeah yeah which you know um so zach i believe uh you also mentioned so neither of us read boruto but it sounds like this was a pretty big chapter uh for the series it was a big chapter so um so when this when the manga started, um, it started off with a flash forward to an undetermined time in the future. I think I've read somewhere that it's supposed to be like four years into the future, maybe something. I don't know. And like it's um, the the city has been destroyed, and Boruto is fighting fighting. First of all, he like looks like a 90s image comic character um <laughs> he, he's like that he's like the, so you mean the, he looks really cool yeah he's he is definitely like the the mark Silvestri version of boruto um <laughs> at, at the beginning of this and he um he's fighting this guy um who it's like implied he has like either killed or, or done something to naruto something's happened and 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 all the ninja are gone whatever it, it's like crazy big and that's how this story begins um and now Lears. 23 chapters later that character is introduced oh okay um and it's also um there's this other character right now um who um i'm his, his last name is koji his first name starts with the k i'm i'm not remembering off the top of my head right now but he um a lot of people have theories about who he is they think he is either the same person or related to a really big character from naruto i think it's way more likely that he's related to him than it, it being the actual person um but he is tied into this somehow and um boruto also gets this new power called karma where he gets this like weird tattoo on his arm and can absorb um like attacks and things i don't know it's all getting really new powers new yeah he gets a power up um and so all yeah a bunch of stuff happened in this chapter and it it seems like i i don't know it it seems like the kind of the the end of like the beginning basically i guess by by introducing this character um it's like a turning point Uh, we might have talked about this on the show before um but i'm curious how do you think the monthly publication is uh working out for it do you think it's uh is the how's the pacing kind of feel 
the pacing is kind of weird because it feels like a very long time. I mean, it feel it's a month between each chapter, yeah. and if and it, but it feels. I mean, on one hand, I don't really mind it because it's um, there's a really interesting relationship between the manga and the anime right now because the the anime began like at a point way earlier than when the manga begins. Um, the manga kind of started off by adapting the film and then okay. kept going from there, but the anime started just like a, a good deal before the film and is it's about 60 episodes in right now and is only just now catching up to where the manga started um so it, it's kind of it's been interesting how it, it's telling two different eras basically two different stories really and it it may be different now that the anime is catching up to the manga i don't really know how that's going to be, I'm sure there will still be a lot more filler. It'll actually probably be pretty similar to how Dragon Ball Super handled it. Right. Um, <laughs> but it, I mean, I think it's fine. I, uh, yeah, I think it's fine. Okay, yeah, because the one of the other monthly series that we don't really talk about because I think I'm the only person that reads it and I don't really like it <laughs> is Seraph of the End. Oh, you. Come on, you love Seraph of the End. You love those pretty vampire boys. (laughs) So, um, and I don't know, because you and me um, reading a lot of U.S. comics, you know, most of them have a month between issues. Sometimes a lot more, depending on uh, who's writing and who's drawing. Um, Sometimes less, but I I feel like just kind of with Seraph of the End, um, you really feel the month difference. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you get the new chapter, it's like, oh, wait a second. So what was going on? Oh, yeah, right, that's right. Right, because everything uh, is so condensed. Right, or, um, yeah. Or decompressed, decompressed yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's 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 just funny to feel like that when the fact that it's like, you know, before I started, you know, subscribing to Weekly Shonen Jump, I was only, you know, reading U.S. comics, where usually it was mm-hmm. a month. Um, and, you know, th- then it wasn't always like, oh, man, it's been a month. Though actually that sometimes happens to me, even with stuff that meets the schedule, I do kind of get sometimes a bit like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I feel it's more pronounced um, with, at least with Seraph of the End. I don't read Boruto. I don't read Blue Exorcist. So I don't know if they suffer from similar problems. But right. It sounds like... Yeah, I, I will say that I feel right. like I, with other weekly books, it all kind of blurs together in my memory. Like I, I have like a vague recollection of everything that happens, but I couldn't tell you what week or chapter it was really. And so with the weekly ones, um, I, I do kind of feel like it's more, it's easier to kind of remember when things happened, even though it may take like a little bit of brushing up. Ones you mean? Yeah. Yeah. With the, with the monthly ones, yeah, it's easier to remember when things happened, um, and yeah, I, and I, I do I, like I get really that. get excited when there's when there's a chapter, it, it, like when there's a week that has that, and it's kind of the same thing with like One Punch Man too. You know, it's like oh, there's a One Punch Man chapter in this issue. It feels really special. Right. Um, yeah. So there's that aspect to it. Yeah. Um, other exciting developments happened in. Not uh, 
<clears throat> Excuse me, our dog is. Our dog down. does not want us to talk about One Piece. But we must tell tell us about the exciting world of One Piece, Emily. Well, I'm happy to say that One Piece is the best comic again. It's amazing <laughs> how <laughs> there was some bad arc that just ended. I might be in the minority in saying I didn't like the Big Mom arc overall. I'm, I'm not really sure. I haven't really been like gauging overall opinion of it, but I, I would say probably I am. Um, but yeah, we are now at the really cool part of One Piece where it's kind of like these um, in-between um, little chapters that take place between arcs, which are usually kind of world-building stuff and just kind of a lot of really dense um, chapters introducing a lot of characters and there's a lot of people interacting and stuff all over the page. And these last few weeks have been have been a lot like that. Um, we got a lot of action with the revolutionary uh, people working with Luffy's dad, Dragon. We got a lot of cool new character designs, um, a couple of their important people. The new and, character designs are always the highlight of yeah, the new One Piece Yeah, it's Right, yeah. And it's kind of like how I, I, I've often said about One Punch Man, how um, I just like whenever they introduce new characters. And um, I felt like it hadn't been happening as much in One Piece over the past arc because... Well, I mean, they were introducing new henchmen, but after a while, you were just seeing Katakuri and Oven and all of Big Mom's henchmen over and over again. You weren't really seeing new characters, but now it's like, uh, that's the Oda I love. He's bringing back, you know, um, these characters that have kind of had a presence, God, throughout 20 years of this story. You know, it's like the first time we've seen Garp, who is Luffy's grandfather, who's in the... Um, the Navy and like, God, I want to say six or seven years. I'm not even sure. He might've showed up in some other kind of like interstitial chapter, but uh, yeah, like this, especially this past week's chapter has been really dense and, and interesting. Like finally, again, this is something that they've been talking about for like six years. A lot of the uh, leaders of like the One Piece world are going towards this, going to this meeting called the Reverie, which is like, yeah, just like a meeting of world leaders and they talk about international problems and what they're going to do about them. And um, basically it's just an excuse to get a lot of people together and talk and to like kind of lay out what the next... Advance the plot. Yeah, kind of advance the plot and like check in with people because there's so many characters now that it's like, I wonder what Vivi from the Alabasta arc is thinking right now. You know, stuff like that. Um, and uh, I guess most notably that I that I can think of in this past chapter that that stuck out to me was that they introduced this new guy. Um, we only saw his silhouette, but he's called Ryokugu. Wait, did I say that right? Let me see here. Oh my gosh, one piece is so long, I can't even find it. Yeah, Ryokugu. There we go. Yeah, so he's a new... He's a new admiral, and notably, all the admirals have like a color and an animal in their name. And apparently, his name means Green Bull, so he's definitely going to be up there with like people like Fujitora and um, Aokiji and Kizaru, and probably going to play a role in like the next arc because Fujitora was really big in Dress Rosa. So, yeah, I don't really know what this guy's gimmick is going to be, but the admirals are always really important, so I'm going to keep an eye on him. Oh, yeah, and Sabo came back, but I'm not... Your favorite. ...really a big Sabo fan. Yeah, Sabo's just this... I don't know. He kind of... It kind of felt like an excuse to have Luffy have a quote-unquote close family member who wasn't Ace because Ace passed away. Rest in peace, baby. Uh, 
yeah, I didn't really love Ace either, but you know. That Nazi pirate. <laughs> that's a story. Yeah, because. I, I, I acknowledge he is not a Nazi. Yeah, Ace. Um, he, he, the had, character, he had the, you know. The character Ace used to have the uh, Hindu. Uh, used to have like a swastika symbol. The, but the original. Yeah, right, the was... original, not the Nazi <laughs> swastika, but they had to actually edit that out in the English ver- in the um, English versions of the manga because people were, they, they were scared rightly that people would misinterpret that and be like, what the heck am I reading? Why is Luffy's brother a Nazi? <laughs> Fun I mean, fact, he, there's he a Naruto was... character that that happened to as well. Only his yeah, was like yeah. carved into his forehead. <laughs> Jeez, oh, that's much worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, what did they do? Did they? I don't actually know how they. Well, like most of the time, he had like his headband covering it. It was only like okay. every once in a while it would come off and be there. <laughs> I, I think like originally they may have edited it. Um, in like the recent volumes, there's just a note that says like this is not a <laughs> This is a, like a you know. A, they they went into like the history of the yeah. symbol, but I, I think uh, I think the recent um, the recent uh, the the Viz One Piece ones do the same thing actually with, uh, but I think it's I think it's not in the show maybe. I, th- I think that um, I think, I think that they might have the kept it. I'm, I can't really remember to be honest. I did watch a lot of the show. I watched like maybe a third of it, but I can't honestly I can't remember if Ace had the same. You think I'd remember that? But uh, yeah, um, but, but then. In Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part Two, um, he's Joseph is friends with uh, an actual Nazi. So. Yeah, it's a bit strange. But... Nice, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I mean, I know, I know, I've kind of just been prattling on about like what just happened in the chapter, but um, it's kind of hard to say because this is literally the point of One Piece where anything could happen. They could literally just cut to some other random character and they'll follow them for like 10 more chapters. Who knows? But my guess is it's probably going to be something that sets up more of the revolutionaries with like Luffy's dad. And maybe they're going to talk about, and this is the last um, thing I'll get into is um, there's this guy named Dr. Vegapunk who has never been seen in the manga. And he, he has like made some creations and stuff that have had impacts throughout the story but again, we've like never actually seen what he looks like. And they mentioned him in this chapter. I'm like, are we finally going to see him? Is it going to be another 10 years? Probably. <laughs> um, a lot of, when you mentioned like a lot of this stuff with One Piece, how he just has like these floating plot threads for years and years and years. Yeah, I, it reminds me a lot of like uh, Chris Claremont's X-Men stuff yeah. where he, he would like, you know, build these kind of subplots for a long time and sometimes forget about them. Yeah. Uh, and then you when he left, a lot of things were just like left unresolved and other people had to give endings to them, which of course isn't what would happen with One Piece because, you know, so, the American and yeah. Japanese kind of comic industry are very different in that since, you know, company versus right. creator-owned characters and all that. But Yeah. So I guess my hope is that maybe we'll learn more about Vegapunk. Probably not. They're probably going to get into. They're probably going to go back to the island first and see uh, to Wano and see everybody, which I'm also excited about. But we're probably going to have to get through this this reverie stuff first. But yeah, every time every time I talk this long about One Piece, I'm like, God, why do I know all this stuff? Really, I, I'm going to keep this in my brain for years. I, you know what? That's that's fine. <laughs> fine. This, is, this is this is I'm living my best life right now. Anyway. 
and uh, to close out, I thought we'd check in on, we haven't talked a while about um, one series that we have definitely been, we've all been uh, big fans of in the past, uh, is Promise Neverland. We've reached what seems pretty evidently to be the climax of this arc. Um, and so it's been a, been a few months, I think, since we last talked about it, um, since Emil ended up in the village with these other kids. Um, so with, with this arc or, you know, sub arc, however you want to frame it, uh, at its close, probably, um, I think it's fairly likely at the very least. Yeah, um, I think so. I was uh, curious how you guys felt overall about this, this little village, uh, kind of story. Um, ah. I I thought I'd like it. Sorry. Yeah, I thought I'd like it more, I guess, because I, I really liked the setup. And overall, I, I mean, I had, an, I had a fine time reading it, but I just think I felt like they focused too much on like this tactical aspect of it and, and characters who I didn't really uh, have a connection with, you know, like dying and getting hurt. Um, while it was cool to see them, you know, take down the, the, uh, the demons... At the same time, I couldn't really get that invested in some of the deaths, and well, maybe there was only one death, or there were a lot of in, a lot of very crippling injuries, <laughs> at least. Yeah, a lot, a lot um, that were like very vague as to whether. Yeah, vague as to someone or died or just was uh, uh, grievously injured. Um. So yeah, I think I think it was just kind of a little too like invested in like battle tactics and strategy. Um. For my taste, but I did like this last chapter. I think the most of uh, the ones we've gotten of this month are actually probably one of my favorites in quite a while because it seems like maybe we'll finally get some resolution with with the guy they just called the geezer because the, the man, yeah. So you know, in kind of this like I guess kind of cliched moment, he comes in and shoots Lewis's mask. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like because Lewis seemed like the Big bad. I mean, I know he's not dead yet. I think they just shot his mask off. I don't think they actually killed him. Maybe they did? I'm looking at the page right now, and I... I mean, I think it's like he's maybe dying at this point. Okay, there will yeah. probably be some, like, talk. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Yeah, kind of the same. I, I really didn't care much about this arc. It was it was kind of difficult to follow all of the new characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like you said, Emily, have any sort of attachment to them. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, now that the man and, um, and uh, Ray have come back, things will be a little bit more interesting but yeah previously like emma and like to some degree lucas i think were the only kind of touchstones we had right. um, which made it just really hard to care about what was going on yeah and it was also hard to follow with who was yeah. where and who was fighting who yeah. yeah like i didn't have enough time with the characters to be like okay i know the only way i could tell where we were is like which demons they were fighting i was like right. okay they're fighting the two and the one's dead so and then yeah like that one went crazy and injured a couple people in some cave or something like yeah like it was hard to keep track of where they were and who was where and yeah. at the end of the day like it doesn't seem like those characters are even going to be that important to the story anyway so 
Yeah, maybe maybe they just felt a little bit rushed for time and getting to like this part with Lubis. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd agree with you guys. Um, we've mentioned before that the series' main weak point, I think we all agree, is uh, getting distinct voices for the characters. Yeah. Um, and I think that introducing all these new ones seriously exacerbated that. Yeah. It made it very hard to kind of like keep track of who was who. Um, and as you said, to just get invested in them, as you know, as they, everyone had their own little like kind of sob stories and, you know, not to be dismissive of it, but I just, it, nothing really kind of stuck with yeah. me. Um, and it was just kind of, it was kind of just messy, I, yeah. I guess is the word for it. Um, I, I really, I, I agree with what you started, started off saying only that like when it's, I think it's start the arc or whatever you want to call it, yeah. started off very strong. I was very interested at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but I, honestly, just the past uh, two months or so, I've just kind of been, I, honestly, I've been kind of waiting for it to end, just to yeah. kind of move on. Um, and yeah, the, the tactics aspect, the all this like talk about the guns that they made and all that, I don't know. I just didn't find it as interesting as a lot of the other like really neat ideas yeah. that they had before. Um, compare you know, comparatively, like, this is just a special gun with a special bullet. Um, just seeing as kind of lame in comparison to all the stuff about the demons themselves. And I don't know. It, yeah. It wasn't bad, but... Yeah. Compared to, like, where I think it was consistently possibly, like, the best series last year. Uh, if not the best, then just outstanding. Um pretty consistently this this bit kind of felt a little bit disappointing even though yeah there was some neat ideas i i liked all of the demon designs though. yeah the designs the designs continue yeah like the art is is fine um yeah i guess i i liked the setting i liked the setting at least of the village i i mean there was a point where basically just everything was taking place in the forest in this cave or something so it didn't really the, the village didn't even really play into that until the very end here um so i kind of wish i kind of wish it had taken place i guess on a smaller scale than it did even though it's, right. it was pretty small to begin with i mean there were only a couple demons but still like i felt like things were just taking place so far away and like i wasn't getting i wasn't feeling claustrophobic like i think i was supposed to feel because they were basically trapped there so yeah. yeah, they they could have done a couple things differently, but... Yeah, I really think it's just a matter of execution and not yeah. like, you know, the story was fine, the yeah. ideas were good, but just I, I feel like the execution was flawed. Yeah, and I see actually, um, this is just totally off topic, but I saw in like the colors, the colors splash page um, that they had like a little teaser for the anime, like something at the bottom says anime and it's like a film stripped. Right, yeah, I think that was made to kind of celebrate the fact yeah. that it's getting that out of So that's cute. I wonder I wonder if that'll be any good. I don't I don't know. Hopefully. Maybe. Yeah, I hope that they keep the very distinct style of it. Yeah. Well, if anime has a track record um that I know of, it's not really being very faithful to distinct styles, so one need we'll only look at the uh, Berserk anime, <laughs> the recent one, with where they basically to they couldn't replicate Miura's uh, really detailed art, so they just did like really really bad CG. 
Nice. Hopefully they won't do that. They don't. They won't do uh, Promise Neverland that bad. But there is precedent. So. Well, I believe that's uh, main stuff we wanted to talk about this month. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we had a correction to issue from last month of, um, I believe I said something to the effect of that at the end of uh, one of the My Hero Academia chapters, <laughs> Gentle was found by I was like oh you know those were you know some villains <laughs> yeah. or something. I, was I think we wrong. all thought that and made that mistake yeah, I bet so. Darcy's probably like oh my gosh you guys get get it right um I mean, they looked very villainous That's yeah they did yeah and um to be fair I I haven't read some of the very early chapters of my hero academia right, so there so. might be some stuff I'm missing as far as like early like establishments of some of the characters but still I mean Yes, gentle is is not gentle is in prison now, <laughs> or at least he's being Good, interrogated. Goodbye, gentle. Oh, my my th- free my, gentle, free gentle. My uh, <laughs> we're not going to go too much into it, but I I'm thinking that they're going to um, make some sort of suicide squad. That seemed to be what the dialogue with uh, gentle was suggesting. Oh my to me. gosh, that's oh my gosh. He's going to get damaged, uh, tattooed on his forehead. You're gonna, they're gonna um, no, have no, that like, be like Bohemian uh, Rhapsody no, like, playing no, no, in the no. background. Like classic Ostrander, <laughs> like Suicide Squad type. Not, not the, not the movie, not the movie. We'll see. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that'll about do it for this month. Um, once again, next month we will be reading two volumes or more of fairy tale if any of us like suddenly just seems to love it and keeps on going um you can either pick up the paperbacks or as we mentioned um it's available on crunchyroll uh with their manga streaming service and as always we will be back to talk about some of our favorites or least favorites in weekly shonen jump Until next time, um, you can find me on Twitter at Waltor, W-A-L-T-O-R-R. I am uh, at Cosmos, of course. And I'm at SirFox89. And we'll see you, or, well, you'll hear us uh, next (laughs) month. Bye, guys. 